your Bibles this morning, let's go ahead and, and let's open up to the, uh, the book of Proverbs. Not only do we want to welcome you here today, but we want to welcome all those that are on our conference call, phone call that goes around the globe. Hallelujah. And we got people calling in from every different place, different cities, different states. Amen. We get a report of that each week of different people calling in. So it's just a blessing to be able to not only touch the, the people that are here, but to touch the other people as well. Amen. Father, we, we just count it a privilege and an honor and a joy. There's no greater privilege and there's no greater honor than to come before you. You are the living God. You're the one and only God. There's no other God but you, Lord. And we thank you that Jesus Christ is the way to you, Father. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through Jesus. And today we come to you in the name of Jesus. We ask you, Lord, for fresh revelation and utterance as we declare your word. Fill our hearts with revelation knowledge. Just like Peter had when he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And you declared that flesh and blood did not reveal that to him, but the Father which is in heaven. We pray that that same spirit of revelation would be here strong in us today. And we ask in Jesus' name, and all that agreed said, Amen. Amen. I just encourage you, you know, ministers, we have our part, but then as you come in, you draw, you draw on that gift. Amen. The gift of God. The Apostle Paul made mention of the fact, I believe in the book of Romans, he says, I magnify my office. He didn't say I magnify myself. He says, I magnify the office in which I stand so that people could receive the fullness of the the benefits. Amen. And I mean, God wants you to receive big time here today. In fact, every time you come to receive from Him. Amen. That's why Satan tries to, with all of his might, to keep people out of anointings, out of churches that are preaching the anointing. Amen. Because if he can keep you out of that, then you can keep you away from the anointing. Amen. But we're smart people, aren't we? Amen. How many of you are smart? Raise your hand. Everybody here ought to raise your hand. We have no dummies here. Jesus didn't make any dummies. He made smart people. Glory to God. And uh, so anyway, we're talking, uh, we've started a series a couple of weeks ago about how to fight the good fight of faith. How to fight the good fight of faith. And uh, Proverbs, I'm just going to quote it here, but in Proverbs 18.14 in the Amplified, we've kind of used this as a springboard to go into the message. The strong spirit... Notice that the strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak and broken spirit who can raise up and bear. Now, I like the Amplified that says the strong spirit. Now, the King James says the spirit of man will sustain his infirmities. Amen. But I like what the Amplified says right here because it's just important. The strong spirit, that's Proverbs 18, 14. And the Amplified, the strong spirit of a man will sustain him in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak and broken spirit who can raise up and bear. How many of you know you're more than just a body? You're a tripart being. You know that if you've been here. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, Paul the Apostle said, I pray God that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's one of the scriptures I pray over everybody here. That's one of the scriptures that I use. And you can pray that, actually. But notice that man is a tripart being. He is a spirit, he has a soul, and he lives in a physical body. You are, first and foremost, a spirit being. Amen? But the Bible says here that a strong spirit 
that's the real you, can sustain a person even in bodily pain or trouble. There's something about when your spirit man is strong, can overcompensate for other areas in your life that are weak. Amen? Uh, Smith Wigglesworth said it like this. He said, uh, now, if you're just looking at it from the mental standpoint, you'd say, what's he talking about? He said, I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. A lot of people scratch their head and say, what's he talking about? I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside. He's basically saying that his spiritual part, his influence, his spirit man, is that much stronger than his outward man. And he sure proved that out, didn't he? Now, how many of you know you can get, you, can, you might grow older physically, but your spirit never grows older. And your spirit should never grow weaker. It should get stronger and stronger and stronger as you feed upon the Word of God Pray in the Holy Ghost. Get into the Word of God. Your spirit man can become strong so that when adversity comes against you, it's not going to take you out. Amen. How many of you know years ago there were things in my own life, there were things that used to just take me back. I would have a setback. Something would come against me because my spirit man wasn't strong enough. But when your spirit man is strong, no matter what comes against you, a pressure, outward pressure comes against you, when your spirit man is strong, that spirit man will rise up and say, oh, no, you don't, in Jesus' name. Amen? Now, I've had to do that with doctor's reports and things that, have, you know, things that were spoken over me by medical professions through the years, you know. And I said, nope, you don't have the last say-so. God does, and I do. Amen? Amen? Uh, Brother Copeland said it like this. We are the prophets of our own life. What you say about you has more influence than anybody else. It's not so, what, it's not so important what others are saying about you. That's what Jesus said. Who do men say that I, I am? Who do you say that I am? That's the most important thing that you say, right? Hallelujah. And so let's go to 1 Timothy. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, and this is where we're going to get into this this morning. We're talking about how to fight the good fight of faith. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, I love this series. Oh, I love it. I love anything about faith and healing. I'm like a dog on a bone. Amen. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. Amen. There's something about faith that should turn you on. I'm telling you, you should just like, yes, I just want more of this. Amen? Don't look at me in that tone of voice. Amen? How many of you know it's important? We should love faith because faith pleases God. And He's given us the means whereby we can become strong in faith. In fact, the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God in Hebrews 11.6. Well, if you want to be a God pleaser, be be a man or woman of faith. And now the good thing about it is all of us are growing in our faith. It's not where you're at, it's which direction you're going. That's what's important. See, a lot of times people get condemned. Oh, I wish I had more faith. I wish I would have taken more time when I was younger in my years, you know, and so forth and so on. And people beat themselves up over the past. You know, you can't change the past, but you certainly can help right now. Amen. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, Paul told Timothy, being a young pastor, he says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things, follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. Notice that. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. We brought out last week that the word eternal life is the Greek word zoe. Z-O-E. Amen. A lot of parents name their kids zoe. That's a good name. 
because it simply means the life of God, the life that God has. You see, when you got eternal life, it wasn't so much a duration of life as it is a quality of life. When you got born again, you got zoed. <laughs> Say, I got zoed. Now, zoe means the life of God is on the inside of you. Now, you can become more or less conscious of that. I want to become more conscientious of the zoe, life of God. And that takes the pressure off because, you know, sometimes when you pray for people that need healing, you know, I mean, God doesn't have to work any harder to heal a cancer than he does a a headache. He's already paid the price for all that. Amen. But when you realize that the, the, that, you know, he's living on the inside of you, that the healer lives inside of you, that takes all the pressure off. Amen. Amen. I mean, I'll even go as far as to say this. I'm not leaning on myself to minister this message this morning. If you knew how much I was leaning on God right now, I always do that when I speak because I know within me, I have nothing to say. If Jesus said, I can of my own self do nothing. And that's, you know, when we empty ourselves, John the Baptist said it like this, I must decrease that he might increase. The more empty you are of yourself, the more he can fill you. Hallelujah. Boy, that's the safest place to be. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Oh, my fight. Verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. Whereunto you are called and have, have professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things. And before Jesus Christ, before Pontius Pilate, witnessed a good confession. We brought out the fact in review real quick here, and I think it's important, uh, you know, uh, to grow in our understanding. It's, it's, you know, just like the times tables. You didn't just look at it one time and you got it when you were younger. Remember that? Two plus two, two times four. And you went over and over and over again until it got down on the inside of you. Amen? Whether you liked it or not. The scripture is no different. And sometimes we got to hear, and then we hear it, and then we hear it, and then it gets down on the inside of us. The word confession is used three times right here. The word fight is used twice in these verses that we just read here. Fight the good fight, amen, of faith, lay hold. And so we're talking about how to fight the good fight of faith. Now, the, the Greek word for confession we brought up in the last two Sundays, and I'll say it again, is the Greek word, the word confession. If you look it up, if you've got a, how many of you have a Strong's Concordance? Okay. And I even got one on my telephone, amen. It basically, the New Testament written in Greek has a number over each word. And you press on that number, you can get an app on your phone for it. It's like nine bucks or something like that. But you can get an app and you just press that number, boom, it'll show up, it'll show up and say, That's ex- here's the Greek word, here's the meaning of it. Then if you go to the Old Testament, it's Hebrew. Okay? And so uh, the word confession right here, three times is the word homologia, which means to say the same thing. To say the same thing. We are in a fight, but we are in a good fight. Fight the good fight of faith. So we brought out the fact that in order for something to be a good fight, it must be winnable. It must be attainable. And thank God it is. Do you know there's not one person here this morning, 
or if you're listening on the telephone. There's not one person here in the sound of my voice that you're facing a problem that cannot be overcome. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're facing, whether it's spiritual, physical, mental, social, financial, in any way, shape, or form, if you're facing an issue, if you're facing a problem right now, it is overcomable. Are you with me? And you have to have that supernatural hope. God, the Bible says about Abraham, who against natural hope, believed in hope. He was, from the natural standpoint, they couldn't, him and his wife couldn't have children at 100 years old, let alone 30 years old. But it says, who against natural hope, believed in hope, that he should become the father of many nations. Amen. Fighting the good fight of faith, number one, is to realize it's a good fight because it's a winnable fight. Now, the only reason that you and I would not win a particular fight is if we give up and quit. Namely, we quit saying what God's Word says. Okay? Now, that's a big one right there. If we quit saying what God says, then we lose the fight. We lose by default. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life and a good confession. Praise the Lord. Do you ever notice how, how often when you get under pressure that you're, I don't know about you, but you're tempted to say the wrong thing? Oh, anybody been there before? When the pressure is applied, you know, like, and you, you're so tempted to just, rah, 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 just start talking and start talking the problem. Now, listen, we're not denying the problem. We're not saying that. But we're, we're denying it's right to stay in our lives. The, the, the facts may be that you have a pain in your body. The fact may be that you have a sickness in your body. That's a fact. We're not denying that. But the truth is, by his stripes, you were healed since 2,000 years ago. <laughs> Wahoo! <laughs> By his stripes, you were healed. Not like what David said. He goes, "Thy words were found." Or Jeremiah says, "Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and they were unto me joy and rejoicing of heart." Amen. Or David said this: "I rejoice at thy word like one that finds great spoil." When you can rejoice at the word, what God said, you're on your way to victory. Amen? Well, pastor, I'm just waiting for something to happen. I'm just waiting for that thing to turn around. I'm just waiting for that situation to turn around. And then get excited. Know that anybody can do that. But we get excited at the word. He goes, I rejoice at thy word, David said, like a person that found a great spoil. I mean, just found a fortune. Woo, glory to God. We got the word of God. Amen? And so our attitude towards the Word of God will determine the outcome. In fact, it will determine how quick we will go into it. Amen? I tell you, I love to stand up in the face of adversity when nothing looks like it's working and just declare, Thus saith the Lord of the Word of God. It is written and speak what the Word of God has to say. By His stripes I was healed since 2,000 years ago. Amen? Then you might feel the pain still. You're like, no, just you hold on. Hold on to a good confession. Don't let go. You hold on. You hold on. I don't know about you, but I hate to lose. 
I don't like losing anything. Are you like that? I don't care if it's a board game. I don't want to lose. I want to win. And I believe God put on the inside of you. There's a winner on the inside of you that wants to win. It doesn't want to be like, it, you know, like everybody else and just lay down and just quit. Listen, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Right? If, everybody would, if it was easy, everybody could do it. But Jesus, through his word, if we go the word's way, we do it the word's way, things will work much better. Saying what God says. That's the number one way that we fight the good fight of faith is we lay hold of a good confession. We say what God's word says. Amen. Now jump over to Hebrews 4. Just, uh, we'll just read this real quick here. But in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. Now I love, the, I love the book of Hebrews because one of the ways that you'll help sometimes, uh, who was it, Peter, I think it was Peter said that Paul's letters are hard to be understood. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He said, man, this stuff's deep, you know. But they're written for a purpose. And you know, anytime you, 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 if you're looking for gold, you've got to dig. If you're looking for diamonds, you've got to dig. They're just not on the surface. Amen? But one of the things about the Apostle Paul, and I believe the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, because when Jesus appeared to Brother Hagin one time, uh, Brother Hagin asked him, who wrote the book of Hebrews? He said, Paul. Well, that's, that's good enough for me. Amen? And, and, you know, it's interesting because... In Paul's letters to the Hebrews, you know, and to us too, you know, he, he compares, like for example, in chapter 8, he compares the Old Testament with the New Testament and says that we have a better covenant established upon better promises. And he, he lays out, here's the Old Testament, here's the New Testament, or New Covenant, we have a better covenant. Amen? And in chapters 2 and 3, he compares the ministry of Jesus to the ministry of angels. And he said Jesus is more superior than angels. Amen? You come over to chapter 3. He's comparing uh, Moses' faithfulness to Jesus' faithfulness. He says Moses was faithful in all his house. Then he compares it to the faithfulness of Jesus. So Paul is doing this. He's laying out all these things. In chapter 13, he compares physical sacrifices to spiritual sacrifices. Amen? He says, let us offer unto God the sacrifice of praise continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Amen. Amen. And so the whole book of Hebrews, he's laying out, here's the Old Testament. Here's what they had. Here's what we have. And oh, we have a better covenant established upon better promises. But we see right here in Hebrews 4 verse 14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest. Notice that. Who do you think that is? Goes on to say, that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession, or it's the Greek word confession. We're to hold fast a good confession. You know, I think one of the most dangerous questions you can ask a person is, honey, how you feeling? Are you feeling okay? Are you feeling okay, sweetheart? That's a loaded question. 
A better way to say it was, how are you doing? Amen? Because feelings can go up and down, right? You know there's such a thing called phantom pain that it's not even, not even real? Did you know that? The Lord gave me this illustration. You know, a couple of years ago, we went to Disney World. We like Disney World. It's a great place. You know? And you get this, you get this band. It's called a magic band, okay? And you put this band on, and that's what basically gets you into the parks, okay? Gets you into your hotel. Doesn't get you into heaven. But, it, you know, and you keep it on for how many days you're there, three or four days, whatever. You know, you keep that thing on. And, uh, you know, so I just basically slept with it on for three or four days, okay? And I had mine sort of tight, you know what I mean? But I remember after, after we left, you know, it's, there's no need for it. You get rid of it, right? You take it off. But for the next five days or so, I kept feeling like it was on me. It, I kept feeling it on me, but I'm waiting. It's gone. You know what I'm talking about? Has anybody ever, ever had that happen to you before? It's called phantom, Right? In other words, you, you, you feel like you're feeling it, but really it's not there. Has anybody ever had that happen to him? Every time I've gone there, it's done the same thing. I'm like, and the Lord reminded me, he said, that's exactly the way it is in the spirit realm because sometimes symptoms, feelings can come and go, but don't be moved by feelings. Don't be moved by what you feel, but by moved by the word of the living God. That's why asking the questions, sweetheart, how are you feeling? You know, sometimes we mean well when we say that. But it's basically setting a person up to, to talk about their symptoms. And I'll tell you what, if you ever want to strike up a conversation, ooh, baby, start talking about sickness and disease. Two hours later, they'll still be talking about it. Well, you know, my aunt had that, and, you know, she suffered the dog bitter and everything else, and, you know, and she suffered that. I mean, just go on and on and on, you know. We have, we have a... a we have a neighbor. She's a, she's a precious soul, I'll say that. She knows the Lord. But, but, you know, we basically try to avoid her because every time... I mean, she'll even flag you down in her car. She'll start talking. And two hours later, you're like, you know, I've got other things to do here. You know what I mean? And uh, I'm not trying to be mean or anything. But I noticed, I noticed that all she talks about... And she's a, she's a believer... But all she talks about is sickness and disease. And who's the latest person that's got this disease and this sickness and how I fell and hurt myself and go on and on and on and on. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't want to hear that. Okay? I'm not being mean-spirited. I'm not, not at all. We love people, right? We love people. But, but you know, sometimes you just got to cut that stuff off. And sometimes people just love to talk about sickness, love to talk about this and that. But the Bible plainly says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Not the power of God or not the power of the devil. It says death and life are in the power of the what? The mouth, the tongue. Okay? Death and life, both. So what are we speaking, life words or death words? Amen? Praise the Lord. So it's really important that we speak life. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you in John 6, 63, says the words that I speak unto you are spirit and they are life. His word is spirit. Say this with me boldly. By his stripes, 
I am healed of every sickness and every disease. That settles it. Hallelujah. Now, what if that's all that you say? That's what you're going to have. If that's all you say, that's what you're going to have. And that's why James talks about wavering. He goes, you know, you don't want to start out in faith and then waver and you go back and forth. Waver means simply to change your mind. And when you change your mind, you change what you say. One minute a Christian is saying, by his stripes I'm healed, but I'm dealing with this, but I'm dealing with but, 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 but. Right? So the but just cancels out everything you just said previously. It just cancels it out. But if you hold fast to a good confession in spite of the way you might feel. I know for some people this is like the meat of God's word. But let me tell you something. This will sustain you in times of trouble. I would not preach to you something that hasn't worked for me for all these years. I would be wasting my time. I'd be wasting your time. Hallelujah. But I've seen the faithfulness of God over and over and over again. Have I been perfect? Of course not. Of course not. But but some things, principles from God's word, they work. And that's why Satan tries to talk you out of it. He's a liar. He's a thief. The Bible says the thief comes not but for to what? Steal. That's the first thing he comes to do. Steal. Not kill. Steal, kill, and to destroy in John 10.10. But I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. So if you keep God's word in your mouth, saying what God's word says about yourself, that's exactly what you're going to have if you don't change it. Okay? That's why people that make fun of stuff about confession, it's all through the word of God. How can you make fun of a good confession? It's all through the word of God unless they haven't read their Bibles. Are you with me now? But people, they, they, they literally, they try this stuff and it doesn't seem to work. Well, I tried that faith stuff and it didn't work. Well, who said it didn't work? Thank you for those three amens back there. Amen. <laughs> it works for whosoever will. You know what the best definition I ever heard of a whosoever was? You know, it, it, it says in John three sixteen that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But Mark chapter 11, verse 23, whoever shall say unto this mountain, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He'll have whatsoever he saith. The same whosoever in John 3, 16 is the same whosoever in Mark chapter 11, verse 23 and 24. The best definition of a whosoever, I heard it said like this, everybody won't, anybody can, but somebody will. (laughs) I'll say that again. The best definition, whosoever, everybody won't, anybody can, but somebody will. Praise the Lord. How many of you are whosoever? Every one of us here. All of us, including yours truly, at times have become weary and well-doing. Galatians talks about in chapter 6, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we faint not. 
Okay? And, uh, you know, primarily we're sowers, but sowers of the Word of God. The sower soweth the Word. And the way you sow the Word is you say it. You say it. But sometimes we can become weary and well-doing by saying. Okay? We, we, we let go of a good confession. We've got to wake up in the morning. Even if the symptoms still look there in your finances, even if your family situation hasn't looked like it's turned around, even if the natural is screaming out to you. We saw this last week. Amen. In fact, while we're there, let's go over to, let's go over to Mark chapter 11 again here. Mark chapter 11. Why else would the Lord say, hang on to a good confession? Because he knew we'd be tempted not to. <laughs> That's how you fight the good fight of faith. Praise the Lord. Now you stop and think about it for a minute here. In the Old Testament, you know, you're, you're well versed about what happened to the Israelites and when they're in, in the uh, wilderness. And they remained there 40 years. When by foot, it was an 11 and a half day journey to the to the wilderness, to the promised land. And it took them 40 years, most of which perished in the wilderness. Only Joshua and Caleb and those 20 years and younger, younger under them went into the promised land. But you remember the situation. They came back, 12 spies, one leader from each of the 12 tribes of Israel came back, spied out the lamb. And they came back and 10 of them came back, the Bible says, with an evil report of unbelief. They said something. And God called it an evil report of unbelief. Amen. But Joshua and Caleb came back and they said, we can do this. God said, the land is yours. Let's go up at once. Let's possess it. In other words, they set themselves in agreement with what God said, not what the circumstances said. The other, they all saw the giants. Joshua and Caleb saw the giants. They saw them. They weren't blinded to that. But they said, There's a, we serve a God that's bigger than the giants. But the other ten spies said they didn't, look, they didn't consider the God factor. All they considered was, there's big dudes out there. <laughs> there's big enemies out there. And they were shaking in their boots. And they perished in the wilderness. Man, I feel the annoying this morning. They perished in the wilderness because of a bad confession. They kept saying over and over again, we're not able, we can't do this. But Joshua and Caleb said, we be able, we can do this, let's do it. And you know, they almost stoned them for being positive. So unspiritual people will try to stone people, maybe not with literal rocks, but with their words. Say, oh, that stuff doesn't work. Yes, it does work. Amen? Let me tell you something. When you spoke Jesus as Lord, He came into your life... You just blew away the biggest mountain you'll ever face in your entire inning. <laughs> However you did that, oh, Jesus, come into my heart, you know. I mean, I was so shy. I'm telling you, I was so backwards and so shy. And that's why I ran from the call of God because I, I couldn't even give a book report in high school, junior high school. I, I was a mess. Any, t- any type of public speaking, or it, it just scared the heck out of me. I don't know why. No, some people, that doesn't bother them. they got the gift of gab. They can talk anywhere. But, but man, I, 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 was, I was terrified of speaking publicly. Okay? Anyway, that's beside the point. I don't even know where I was going with that. But uh, the Lord will bring that back to my remembrance. I was going somewhere with that. Amen. 
Praise the Lord. Yeah. Let's go over to Mark. Mark chapter 11. We saw, we saw this last week, but let's get a little bit deeper into this uh, before we, we close out here today. Amen. Fighting the good fight of faith. Lay hold, homologio, of a good confession. Saying the same thing. Hallelujah. It means you wake up in the morning. You don't ask your body, body, how do you feel? I think it was Wigglesworth again. We quote him a lot. He said, when I get up in the morning, I don't ask Smith Wigglesworth, how do you feel today? He goes, I tell him how he's going to feel. Amen. Instead of, I, I feel... Bad today. I just feel horrible today. This is Monday. And there's clouds. There's no sunshine, you know, and just talking and rehearsing the problem. Amen? Well, if death and life are in the power of the tongue, I want to speak some life words because, man, I'm going to. The Bible says you'll eat the fruit of your lips. Amen? So if you want to have some good things in your life, start saying what you want to see. Oh, say, can you see? You say it, you say it, you say it, you say it. You say, well, how long does that take, Brother Keith, until you get it? Until you get it. Amen? Oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> thank you, Lord. When, when, you, uh, when you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you blew the biggest mountain away that ever existed. That was your eternal. You were lost spiritually. If you were to die, you would go to hell. All of us. There was a time I was on this earth that I wasn't saved. If I would have died, I would have went to hell. All of us. Okay? But somebody came along that loved me enough to share with me when I was 16 years old. And I was so backwards and so shy, I couldn't even pray out loud. Because he asked me, I was with a friend of mine. His name was Bob. <laughs> I got a picture of him and I... You know, back in the 70s, the, the hairstyles and everything, the clothing, big collars, you know, bell bottoms, the whole nine yards. Man, I'll tell you, I had a leisure suit, baby blue. And I, I had brown heels that were this big. I'm telling you, man. Yeah. And a silk shirt underneath it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you think you're that cat's meow, man. <laughs> but I, when, when this guy led me to the Lord in 1976, he asked me to pray out loud. I was so bashful, I couldn't even pray out loud, but I said it underneath, my, underneath, you know what I mean? Like, you know, in your mind. So, and evidently it caught because I felt totally transformed. Your spirit has a voice. So, I want to encourage you this morning because if you had faith, you've already moved the biggest mountain you'll ever have in your life, and that is your you were eternally lost, and you made Jesus the Lord of your life. You went from death unto life. You went from spiritual death to spiritual life. Boom, in a moment, when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you already got the biggest miracle that exists. And how did you get it? Confession. Jesus, however you did that, Jesus, come and, then it's not hard to get saved. Amen? Paul, the apostle, just said, Lord. Remember he fell on his, the power of God hit him. He was going to Damascus to persecute Christians. All he said was, Lord, he got saved. 
He didn't go through the Romans road. It wasn't written yet. You know what I mean? All of sin and come short of the glory of God. If you will confess with your mouth. You know what I mean? We make it complicated sometimes. But all a person has to do is whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, it's so easy to get saved. God's not trying to keep people out of heaven. And when a person says, Jesus, I believe in you. God knows their heart. Boom, they get saved just like that. It's so easy to get saved. The hard part is going to hell. That's the hard part. But here's the thing. I, I just feel com- compelled to say this. You know, you may not feel like you're very strong in faith, but let me tell you something. You've you got the biggest miracle that exists. I believe that's part of the greater works. Jesus said, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. Jesus didn't get anybody born again under his ministry until he was raised from the dead. That's right? Nobody could be born again as we know it until Jesus was raised and resurrected from the dead. Thank you, Lord. And it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto what? Salvation. Hallelujah. You already got the greatest, biggest miracle that exists on the planet. Hallelujah. You got born again. So if your faith can move that mountain in your life, you know that the words of your mouth, that's what the Lord said to me years ago by the Spirit, inside my spirit. He said, if the words of your mouth, he said this to me many years ago, if the words of your mouth change your eternal destiny, how much more will the words of your mouth change the everyday affairs of your life? Thank you, Lord. Oh, I don't know about you, but that set me on fire when I heard that. Amen. Glory to God. See, you have a measure of the God kind of faith already on every one of you here, whether you feel like it or not. Amen. I mean, how many of you can feel your stomach right now? How about your lungs? How about your brain? How about your kidneys? Can you feel them? But they're there, aren't they? Because if they weren't, you wouldn't be here. To be on this earth, you've got this earth suit and there's certain functions in your body that keep you going, right? I don't see my blood. I don't see my internal organs. But I know they're there. Whether I feel like it or not. And your faith is on the inside. God put faith on the inside of you when you got born again. The God kind of faith, whether you feel like it or not. I have, I say this, I have a measure of the God kind of faith on the inside of me. Amen? Now that's, it's, it's the gift of God. It's not of ourselves. It's something God placed, you know, he placed inside of us. Faith. He even gave you the faith to be saved. Amen? Ephesians 2 talks about that. For you're saved by grace, through faith, that not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For you're his workmanship, created in Christ under good works. Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God. I just love this. I love this. Let's go to Mark chapter 11, verse 11. Let's take a look at this. And uh, we'll, we'll close here in Mark chapter 11 here this morning. Praise God. Now you know why Satan always attacks people 
that are a threat to him. Think about that. He always tries to stop things that are a threat to him. Why do you think even now they're trying to silence people? Who's behind that? The devil's behind that. Let me tell you, that agenda is going to come crashing down big time. It is not going to last. Amen? Satan trying to shut people up from speaking things, you know. I remember I posted something a little while back here, you know. It was a real positive thing, and Facebook erased it. Got in there and said, we're not going to have that. Trying to control Amen. Well, that's the who's behind that. The devil's behind that. Amen. Hallelujah. He's not going to stop us from speaking what God's word says, what God's word says. Amen. But in Mark chapter 11, verse 11. Oh, man, stay with me on this one. Jesus entered into Jerusalem, into the temple, when he had looked round about all things. And now the even time was come. He went out unto Bethany with the twelve. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany... He, Jesus, was hungry, and seeing the fig tree afar off having leaves, he came if happily he might find anything thereon. But when he, was came, when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, what, the fig tree, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter. Notice his disciples heard it. Okay? Now, Dr. Frederick Price, you know, said years ago, he's, he just went to heaven recently. I think he was 90 years old, went to, went to be with the Lord. And he did some research, and I remember back in the day on his book called Faith, Foolishness, or Presumption. That was our, our, our main, uh, what, what did they call that? It was the, uh, the first thing we had when we went to Bible school. It was the orientation. Orientation, it was Faith, Foolishness, or Presumption, his book, Okay. And he brought out the fact that this particular fig tree in Israel, if it had leaves, it should have had figs too because it produced the leaves and the figs at the very same time. Jesus was not deceived by this fig tree. Okay? But Jesus went to... He was hungry in his human form. Jesus had to sleep when he was in his human form. He had to eat in his human form. Hallelujah. And... uh, And his disciples, his 12 disciples, were with him, weren't they? And it says he went over to look for some fruit, but he found nothing but leaves. Amen. And Jesus made this statement. He says, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter. And his disciples heard it. So he wasn't whispering. He said it loud enough where his disciples heard it. It wasn't a very long sentence. He says, no man will ever eat fruit of thee hereafter again on this, this tree. Okay, so Jesus. Now I want I want you to see something here. Trying to find it. Verse fourteen again. Jesus answered and said unto it, unto what? Fig tree. Now, how could you answer something unless somebody said something first? Okay, we brought this out last week. Let's, let's expound a little bit more on that. Um, Brother Dan, what year is it? 21, 2021. Okay, notice I asked him a question. 
he answered me with the answer. Okay. And it's a glorious year, isn't it? Amen. Yes. Okay. Now, Jesus, Jesus answered. This is really important right here, folks. Jesus answered the fig tree. No, like, wait a minute. Does fig trees talk? They do, but not like you think. Does your body talk to you? But not like you think. Does your billfold, your checking account, does it talk to you sometimes? It says, not enough. Not enough. Right? So it, it has a voice, but not like you think. Okay? It's not like me talking, you know, but it does have a voice. And this is, this is really important because we have, to, we have to recognize who's talking to us. Okay? And the thoughts that come to you, that come just, you don't hear them physically, audibly, but they come to you. Thoughts, negative thoughts come to your mind. Okay? Negative thoughts come to your mind that you're not going to live past the age of so-and-so. You know, that look at so-and-so. They died of this. You know, you're going to, those are thoughts. You may not verbalize them. You may not talk about them, but those thoughts can come to your mind. You know, you get on an airplane, the thought comes to you, this thing's going down. You know, some people, they're afraid to jump in their car because they think they're going to get killed by another car. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Okay, And you have to recognize where those thoughts are coming from because they have a voice. They have a voice. It may not be an audible voice, but it's still a voice. Okay? Do you ever notice how the enemy always makes it the worst case scenario? Do you ever notice that? You know, you get a stomach. Something happens to your stomach. If the devil says, you got cancer. Right? You got a tumor. You got a headache. The devil says, you got a tumor. He always tells you the worst case scenario. Right? Because he is the spirit of fear. But let me tell you something, man. We got to put him under our feet. Get violent with it. The violent take it by force. The kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. I'm telling you what, if we've ever been in a time, in a situation right now where the enemy's tried to just intimidate the body of Christ, it's right now. But we can rise up on the inside of us. The strong spirit of a man will sustain him in bodily weakness and trouble. And we can stand up and say, no, that's not coming to my house in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Jesus answered and said unto the fig tree. And I'm sure his disciples were thinking, we never heard this one before. You know they were thinking that, right? They were, they were natural. They understood Jesus said to a guy with a withered arm, stretch out thine hand. How can you do that? Your hand's withered. He goes, stretch it forth. Boom, there it comes. It grows out. I've seen that happen with legs growing up. Personally, I've seen it. Praise the Lord. First time I ever saw it, I was in a meeting, Dave Roberson meeting. You know, he is, he's real big on praying in the spirit, you know. And I, I was in a, we were assistant pastors in a church, and there was a camp meeting. And I was in the second row or third row, something like that. It was in a high school. They had a, this church that I was in at the time had a camp meeting. And he was the guest speaker. 
And he had people come, and I saw instant miracles. And there was a lady that came up there. It was a woman, and he had back problems or something. She, he said, put your hands up. And, 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 and the one hand was like this much shorter than the other. He goes, stretch it as far as you can. It was that much shorter. And he said, in the name of Jesus, that thing just, just grew right back out there. I thought, I thought, looky here, I just saw a miracle right there. Okay? She had it stretched out as far as she could, and, and it was still shorter. But when he used the name of Jesus, it, it came forth. Praise the Lord. But now, Jesus is talking to a tree. Hmm. Well, we know that he talked to storms. He spoke to the storm, right? He spoke to this wind and the waves to be calm, and there was a great calm. And now he's talking to a tree. Yes, Pastor, I understand that, but that's Jesus. Well, Jesus wasn't teaching us something that we couldn't do ourselves. He said, the works that I do shall you do also. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Jesus spoke negative words. Now, let's, let's close here in verse 19. And we'll close here today. And when evening was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning they passed by and saw the fig tree Notice this, dried up from the roots. And Peter calling in to remember it, saith unto him, Master, behold, look, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. Now notice that Peter spoke up. He was good, good at doing that, wasn't he? Sometimes it was good, sometimes it wasn't. But you know, he had guts. He's the one, he was the only disciple that said, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come to thee on the water. He, he walked. Someone says, yeah, but he sank. Well, the others didn't even get out of the boat. Peter stood up and said, Jesus said, who do people say that I am? Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Remember that? She said, Jesus' flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. He's taking risks. He's he's stepping out there, isn't he? I like that about Peter. We don't magnify his mistakes, but look at what he did. Oh, my. We can learn from that, amen? But Peter, again, spoke up and he said, Jesus, look, the tree that you spoke to, the fig tree which thou cursed, is withered away. Now, what is a definition of a curse? According to this, to say something negative over. Okay? It didn't say Jesus cussed the fig tree. He didn't swear at it. He didn't use a four-letter word. He didn't say, you blankety-blank, you know. He he didn't say that. He said, you cursed. What does that mean? Let no man eat fruit of you hereafter again. And I'll tell you what, when Jesus spoke that, he didn't walk away and then turn around and said, let's go check the tree. He didn't do that. He didn't go back and say, no, he just kept walking. I'm, I'm convinced that when Jesus said that to the, it immediately began to die, that fig tree. No man will eat fruit of you hereafter again. And then, of course, the next day, the very next morning, Peter said, you know they were looking. Because <laughs> they're like, hey, we're getting close to that tree. Let's check it out here, you know. And they're walking. He says, look at that. He said, Lord, that fig tree which you cursed is withered up from the what? The roots. Now, that's a key right there. Because when you say what God's word says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, you get to the root of the problem, not just the fruit of the problem. 
If you want to kill a tree, get to its root system, not just the branches or a bush or anything like that. Because the root system is what keeps that thing sustained. If you kill the root system, the tree is not going to survive. Amen. And so uh, if Jesus could say negative words over a tree and kill the tree, don't you know you can say things against things that are attack on you? You can say uh, to a growth, you can say to a sickness or disease, I curse you in the name of Jesus. You will not live in me. You will die in Jesus' name. Sickness and disease, you have no place in my body. I curse you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You have the power on the inside of you through Jesus Christ to speak words and curse that which is from the devil, but also on the other side of that, to speak words of life. Words I speak to you, they're spirit and they are life. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Let's just thank Him for a minute here. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Oh, we praise you. We worship you. We thank you. We praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mark chapter 11, verse 23, or verse 21. Peter, calling in remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. Now you've got to read the rest of this because Jesus answered and saith unto them. He's taking the opportunity right now to teach all them and us a lesson about how faith works. Now let's look at this like you never read this before. Jesus answered, said unto him, in verse 22, Have faith in God. Four words. Have faith in God. Let's say it. Have faith in God. Now that's the biggest key that you'll ever learn. I've faced some situations where my mind was like, how in the world is this going to work out? Your mentality tries to kick in. Your reasoning faculties try to kick in. But I keep hearing in my spirit, have faith in God. So that takes the reasoning out of it. You know, miracles can't be reasoned. You just believe. Okay? Have faith in God. And he goes on to say, for whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Notice, Jesus said, You're going to have whatsoever you say or saith. Amen? The word belief is only used once, but say or saith is used three times. Confession. Confession. Speaking the word of God. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So I think it's time for all of us to up our confession and begin to start doing. This is how you do spiritual warfare. We're not talking about going up on a big hill and pulling down strongholds and all this kind of stuff. Biblically speaking, it's talking about imaginations. 2 Corinthians 10. For the weapons of our warfare are not natural, but they're mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. That's not talking about going up on a city and pulling down the stronghold over the city. That's not talking about that. That's talking about strongholds in your mind, in your thinking. 
Okay? Wrong thinking. Wrong thinking. Wrong thinking can either destroy you or right thinking can set you on fire, can set you free. What are we thinking about? What's going on inside here? Just something to think about, right? What are we thinking about? What's, what kind of thoughts are going through our mind? What are we meditating upon? Is it negative? Is it bad? Is it fearful? Then we can pull that thing down and replace it with God's word and God's thoughts. Thank you, Father. Whoever shall say to this mountain, shall not doubt in his heart, shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, will have whatsoever he saith. You're going to have whatsoever you say. That would mean good or bad. Okay? I've heard stories of, true stories of people that got a bad thought and they said, you know, I just, I just don't think I'm going to ever live past 50 years old. I'm thinking of a person right now. And they kept saying, I don't feel like I'm, I'm you know. And this could be a Christian or non-Christian. These principles work for anybody, okay, whether you realize it or not. How many of you know gravity works for Christians and non-Christians? It's a, it's a law, right? It works forever. These are spiritual laws. They work for whosoever, whether you're saved or unsaved, right? And a person that kept saying, I, I just don't feel like I'm ever going to live past the age of 50. Now, where'd they get that thought from? I wonder. I wonder. And guess what? Right before their 50th birthday, boom, they're out of here. We're the prophets of our own life. Amen? I choose to live long and strong on this earth. And if Jesus tarries his coming, I'm going to live well into my hundreds. Okay? Hallelujah. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, I think the Lord would have me to say what I'm saying right now for the very reason, for the very reason that just like your car needs a tune-up sometimes, at least the older cars did. I don't know about now. It's different now, but they're all electric now, electronics. But back in the day, you know, when I was growing up, you know, you, get a, you had to get a tune-up on your car once in a while, right? Well, spiritually speaking, Sometimes we need to freshen up and tune up and what, what have we been saying about ourselves? Now, I, I say this with not a, con, a spirit of condemnation at all because, my goodness, what I'm preaching to you, it's going right back at me too. Okay? I have to examine my heart too. Okay? Make sure that I'm saying the right things and not the wrong things. So what, what I give out to you, don't... Don't misunderstand me. It comes right back to me as well. But I think God wants us to, he wants things to go good for us. He loves us and he wants things to go good for us. He wants things to turn around. He wants things to turn around in your family. He wants things to turn around in your finances. He wants to turn things around in this country. So we have to line ourselves up. What is God saying? And what God says, we line our mouth up with that. Boom, it's going to take place. It's going to happen. Hallelujah. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people mourn. We are not going to mourn. Amen? 
And I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if January 20th came. That's not my message here this morning. But it doesn't. God's not looking at our calendar. He's not looking at our dates. He's not looking at our months and years. But let me tell you something. Justice is coming. Hallelujah. It's coming. And we're not going to be mourning the next four years. No, 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 no. The greatest days, the greatest days of USA... Do you know? Do you ever notice what's right in the middle of Azusa Street? A Z U S A, where the outpouring of the Spirit was. The outpouring of the Spirit from A to Z. Do you ever notice what initials are in the middle of Jerusalem, U S A? Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, our greatest hour, our greatest hour is not 50 years down the road, 100 years down the road. It's right now. It's right now. And the spirit of faith will grab hold of that thing. Amen? And I'll tell you, you know, some of the, some of the Old Testament prophets would say things and they, people would think, they're crazy, they're nuts. What about Noah? It's going to rain. What's rain? God said, build a boat. What's a boat? Okay? It looked outlandish. It took a hundred years for that prophecy to come to pass. But it happened. And some of the things that have been spoken and said by the prophetic utterances and voices, we've got prophetic, powerful voices on the earth today. I'm telling you. Amen? You've got people like Hank Kuhneman, Kat Kerr, and these different people that are speaking for God. Hallelujah. Thank God for these prophetic voices. Amen. And I believe they've declared the heart of God. We hook into that. What God's heart is, that's what we want. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Amen. So let's just begin to up what we're saying as far as the Word of God is concerned about ourselves. Amen? And watch and see how quick things begin to take place. Amen? Praise the Lord Jesus. You got something to hear? Okay. Thank you, Lord Jesus.